listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. And, and you know, Jeff, I've been looking forward to today's show. I am too. I uh, Because I, I, I just feel like... Um, uh, marketers these days uh, feel, um, and maybe just manufacturing organizations overall, not just in the marketing department, are awash with data. Yeah. Uh, and lousy with it. Indeed. Yeah. And, they, and they're getting more and more of it every day. I've likened this, I think, in the past to the uh, classic I Love Lucy scene where she can't eat fast enough and the, you know, the picture of candy bonbons or whatever keep coming. Keep coming, yeah. Uh, like, so it's like they're collecting more and more data every day uh, and, and, they're, you know, and they're buried under it. And, and, and they have a sneaking suspicion that there's gold in those hills. But they're not entirely sure what to do with it. Yeah. Or they just have so much. And we're not data scientists. Or just where to start or, yeah. or what have you. Yeah. So uh, that's why I'm excited for today's show. I think it's going to be an interesting kind of exploration of data in the manufacturing enterprise and really um, how to begin to wrap your arms around the potential. Yeah. And I like that you use the I Love Lucy one reference because I've also heard of it as the elevator scene from The Shining and that it's a very different thing. Yeah. 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 So, yep. Bonbons. <laughs> <laughs> So, and, and we're also really glad to be welcoming back a previous guest of the Cooler Ring. Um, Ryan Knox is the co-founder of Bridge Digital, and uh, we're glad to have you here today, Ryan. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Ryan, why don't you uh, introduce our listeners to Bridge Digital? I know that it's a fairly new um, uh, venture for you, so uh, let's kind of get that elevator pitch if we could. It's kind of it's kind of cool to, like you guys said, go full circle because you guys welcomed me on when I was still at FlexFab, uh, and we were talking about how we were trying to use data and machine learning and. Uh, things like that to improve efficiency at FlexFab, and now I guess we're a couple years later. And I've started Bridge Digital. It's it's a it's a separate company, uh, but it was from all those learnings. And I bet if we went back and we listened to that recording, you could kind of see the foundation of Bridge Digital from in, in our conversation. But the whole idea is is exactly what you guys are talking about. How can we utilize our data and and utilize technologies like artificial intelligence and machine learning to help improve operational efficiency? And so that's that's the idea. Now, when we speak about operational efficiency, that doesn't always, you know, whet the appetite of marketers, you know. So, <laughs> um, uh, but I guess how how does that come into life on the on the revenue side of of, of the house? Uh, like, you know, are we using data to better understand customers? Are we um, uh, just making better marketing decisions through the visualization of the data that we have? Uh, gleaning insights from it. I guess talk to me about that. Yeah. So I think, I think a couple different things. Um, number one, you know, marketers typically aren't data scientists, but if you're a good marketer, uh, typically you have more, ex potentially more experience than some of the other uh, uh, areas of your business at trying to improve efficiency, trying to uh, utilize data, you know, we're, we should be doing things like digital marketing, uh, and some of these things effect, effectively 
um, to improve the efficiency of our campaigns, for example. And so in some cases, it's it's what you were talking about of how can we be better marketers internally uh, in, in just doing our, our day-to-day job. Um, and that's that's absolutely something we focus on at Bridge Digital. But it's also in part, I think a good marketer, uh, it's not only the external customer, it's the in- internal customer as well. Uh, and, and I had somebody tell me uh, a, a few months back that marketers are one of the best people for helping with uh, with data science projects because in theory, we should be pretty decent at communicating things effectively, uh, especially through data. And so if we can not only help ourselves with our day-to-day job, but if we can also go out into, uh, you know, whether it be the HR department, you know, there's a lot of HR departments right now. They're collecting a huge amount of new data. They're trying to figure out why people are leaving. They're trying to figure out why people won't uh, uh, won't come on board. And marketers should have uh, a good skill set to be able to help them with 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 items like that. So I think it's the internal marketing and the external marketing are are very critical for being an effective marketer. I think it's interesting because you you mentioned two core departments, you know, that exist in manufacturing organizations there. You've got HR, you've got marketing, and we're talking about data. And I noticed that you left one out and it's the one that is often most responsible for collecting data and that's IT. How come they're not in there? Well, um, IT is facing really difficult challenges right now. So, um marketers have been pretty good at at being one of the sources of the problem of siloed data and so like marketers are probably one of the least checked uh departments in most manufacturing for where are we capturing all this data what are we using what type of technologies are we using we do a lot more than for example uh hr or production or quality those people typically are staying within their own systems. So we're just kind of by nature, kind of off by ourselves. Um, and a lot of times IT allow us to kind of, uh, hey, those, that's just the creative the, the, the creative people over there. That's just, that's just the, the marketing team. Just let, let's let them be, you know, our ERP system isn't built for, for helping them. So let's just let them do whatever they want type of thing. Um, and so I think IT is being put into a difficult position right now because uh, over the years, individual departments, their needs have uh, have gotten larger than than what the existing systems, most IT departments know well, like an ERP system. And so what happens is ERP system providers are trying to build out more and more complexity into their tools. And, and typically what's happening is the ERP system tools are getting very kind of shallow in, in the capabilities of some of these some of these features. And then what's happening is IT is just saying, well, we'd love to help, but our the, the tool that we know about doesn't doesn't meet your needs. And so just go do what you go just go do whatever you want. And so what's 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 happening is across the board more and more departments, including marketing, are realizing that the internal systems and software that IT is comfortable with just don't meet their needs. And so what's happening is we're starting to collect more and more data in more and more systems. Uh, I have a a customer that 
um, they did an internal audit and I think they had like 68 different systems that they were uh, either either were using collecting data or had at one point collected data in. And so think about that as an IT person. They're typically not data scientists. They're typically not machine learning engineers. Sometimes they're not even software engineers. And, and here they are and they have a mess on their hands with way too much data, way too many systems. And, and now we're asking them to create simple dashboards. So that's, that's the challenge IT is facing today. It's interesting. I mean, it was at one point in the enterprise, basically, if it involved a computer, uh, you needed to deal with IT. Yeah. Right. Now, now, of course, you know, everything's te uh, uh, technology is everywhere. And yeah. IT is, to your point, they're not data scientists. That, uh, you know, why should they be uh, assigned this task? That's, uh, uh, you know, in, in some ways, They've been asked to do, you know, a lot of things that are kind of outside of that course. Yeah. 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 And I mean, you've mentioned dashboards there, you know, a dashboard shouldn't just communicate the data. It should provide some insight into it. And generally speaking, you're not going to get that, you know, insight, uh, you know, the BI intelligence, you know, from from IT. And that's the challenge. We're seeing the same story with with all the companies including the company I work for and all the companies I'm working with, basically all of them have the same story. What we just said, where, where all these systems, all these data have been created, uh, they don't talk to one another. And now all of a sudden leadership team is coming to IT and they're saying, hey, how can we make all these systems talk to one another? How can you give me a one pager that tells me all about our entire business? And what does IT say? Okay, let me go talk to the vendors I've always worked with. So who do they go to? They go to their ERP supplier and they go to Microsoft. Their ERP supplier, they're like, yeah, we could definitely help you. It'd be really expensive. And then Microsoft, the Microsoft goes, actually, you know how you migrated over to Office 365 recently? Yeah, I know. Oh, actually, you're already paying for Power BI. It's this really awesome tool that's almost free to you guys. It's like $8 and you guys just totally have access to it. And they're like, you're kidding me. It's not going to cost us anything. And I'm going to be able to do everything my CEO asked me to do. Yeah, that's what's going to happen. Awesome. And so then everyone comes together and, 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 and they're like, okay, I got, a, I got a solution, CEO. It's not going to cost us anything. And we're going to give you everything. And then what do they do? They come together and they realize all their system is, all their data is siloed. They don't have any clue how to get it to Power BI. They start uploading CSV files. They start trying to create random API connections, they get uncomfortable connecting their ERP system data to it. They try to ask the, 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 the data guy in the corner of IT, you know, you could probably do this right. And for a little bit, he or she thinks, yeah, I could probably do this. They create, they create a dashboard and then after a week it breaks. Why? Because they're not data scientists. They don't know dimensional modeling. They don't know how to organize these systems in a way where they work together. And so what we found over and over and over again is that same story where you have these awesome tools available to us, but nobody knows how to use them. And IT is being put in a really, really difficult position. So, you know, people should really be mindful of the fact that if something sounds too good to be true, right? we can get everything <laughs> we want and it's going to cost us nothing. It's probably... Yeah. You know, five five probably years is. ago, they said it was Dynamics. Five years before that, they said they could probably do it with SharePoint. Yeah, exactly. Right. The matter is, they're all, they're all, they may all be there, but they're not easy to use, and they're probably not going to give you what you want. 
<laughs> but Power BI, Power BI really is really cool. I mean, I picked on Power BI just because it's like the popular one and it's everyone, almost everyone has access to it for next to nothing. But it's just an example of, of where companies have to start leaning on people. Like in, in my company, there, there was even a point in time where the marketing team was, was working on these things instead of IT because the companies are searching for people that are data focused. And they're like, hey, you can probably create a dashboard, right? And so that was part of the reason why we created Bridge Digital because we knew like they're just, there was this huge need. We kept hearing the same story over and over and very few people have the resources to, to build out like three or four full-time employee teams of data scientists, software engineers, um, you know, and, and machine learning engineers to be able to build the tools that the leadership team really wants. And so that's, that's kind of the background to why we ended up deciding to start Bridge Digital. Right. I don't know if this is a foolish question or not, so I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> um, I was kind of wondering, like, a, you know, in the kind of ecosystem of the manufacturing world that you interact with, and to, you know how when, when they're looking um, uh, for help in in this area, you know to what extent are they looking for uh, quick wins, you know, um, insights to power immediate uh, decision making, versus to what extent are they thinking about it through the lens of uh, a long term uh, uh, system to support their business and to support better decision making? Just what's the balance there and the motivations? That's a really good question. I think I think it's 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 a it's an important question because in a perfect world you want to say, oh yeah, most leadership teams are really realistic about you know new things, you know, evolving into more data, more AI, more machine learning. It's going to take time, and I'm sure there are leadership teams that do feel that way. What we found is that it's more what's more important is not necessarily the leadership's um, willingness to. Um, uh, to have patience, but what's been more important from our perspective is is the internal team and getting that quick win. Because if you think about it, guys, like if you go and you talk to a manufacturing company and you go in and you say, hey, we're going to have some type of major software evolution that's going to change the way you do your job. What is the what is the first thing people think about and the experience they have related to that? I'm getting laid off. Well, <laughs> well maybe, <laughs> but I think most people probably think about ERP. Yeah. ERP, uh, uh, you know, some type of ERP um, implementation uh, gone wrong, like uh, implementation. Got... Yeah, migration. You know, we use use these types of language, and there's not one single person, and I, and I, I'll tell you my. Um, my stepmom, uh, she's retired now, but, but six or nine months ago, she was planning her retirement and her boss came to her and said, Hey, we're, we're planning a, a, a new system imp implementation, migration, whatever the right terms were for it. And she said, she said, if you guys are going to do that, you know, I want to be a good team player, but we literally just finished this, this other system where I just learned it. If you guys are going to do that, I'm just going to retire early because I just can't possibly take learning another system. And like that's how people feel. They when you when you come in, you say, "Hey, here's this new software." It's this it's it's has this really negative connotation. It almost never is. Oh, you're going to be able to help me do my job better, you know. So regardless of if you're a marketer, and I think marketers are a little bit more open minded to this, 
uh, with you know marketing automation tools that are out there. Um, but but when you look outside of marketing, that's the that's the connotation that comes with a software implementation. And so so when you talk about quick wins, I think it's absolutely essential. And you if you go back to like you know Cotter has his eight steps you know for for change and whatnot. You know, how can you create a sense of urgency? You know, how can you kind of enlist this volunteer army? You know, acceleration, short-term wins. How can you do this? Like the reason for that is because like, if you can get all the people doing the work, using the systems on board, excited and start showing them results that actually help them do their job better, that's how you're gonna win. And so I, I would just say to answer your question, you know, does the leadership team matter? Yes, it's very important that your leadership team is aligned that, hey, we're not gonna maybe figure this out on the first go, but we gotta start moving in this direction because this is this is an essential part of our future um, and, and remaining competitive. But at the end of the day on the implementation, I think it's absolutely critical, critical to get people on board and, and help make it as easy of a, uh, of a process as possible. Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. I mean, in that way, it's, you know, it's a lot like a forced CRM implementation with the sales team. You know, if you don't have internal champions for that, if you don't have people excited about it, if they're not seeing the potential benefits, they're never going to get on board and you're just going to have a very expensive piece of software and a lot of people who are still doing things in their head or Excel. What a great example. I should have thought about that instead of the ERP. Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably worse, right? I mean, for most people trying to adopt Salesforce, it's probably it's probably worse for, for, for some teams. I've, I've tried to implement Salesforce at two different companies and I ended up implementing other CRM tools that are a little more simple, but it's, man, when, when you're going, when you're going out and you're asking people change the, change what you're doing and you better have a good reason for it and you better have them on board. And how do you get them on board? If, if you make their life better in some way. And so I think that's a critical thing that we don't think about uh, enough is, is, Forget about leadership team, you know, you, you need their support to get the funding. But once you get past that step, how can we how can how can we make sure this implementation goes right by uh, by getting as many uh, early adopters as possible? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't help either that, you know, it, it, you talked a bit about this a moment ago, but, you know, you just want to create a simple dashboard that, that gives that gives the right kind of data. It doesn't help that so many of these pieces of software are incredibly complicated to use, you know, or, or incredibly horrendous user <laughs> interfaces. I'm talking about you, Salesforce. You know, like, Hopefully they're not a sponsor. Mark, if you want to call us, we'll, we're happy to help. We'll make it better. But, you know, it's a, it, it really does kind of make things even more complex for people to to adopt something when they don't necessarily understand how to use it. It's yeah, I, I've, I've rarely encountered um, a sales organization and a manufacturer that has Salesforce that has um, a universal uh, adoption of it within their sales team and actually has 
compliance yeah. uh, that the sales organization is using it. I mean, it just, it never. Well, it, and you'll hear of sales managers who love it because of the reports they can run and the things they oh, can sure. do with it. But you never really hear about salespeople just going, I love sales. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Become ambassadors. Well, let's not beat them up no. too much because that's not the part of the show. No. But I mean, it's, it is fun. I mean, uh, <laughs> but I was curious, uh, you know, you've mentioned this a number of times through the, you know, kind of almost the, the words after uh, data, insight, et cetera, are uh, AI, machine learning, kind of the promise of that. And, you know, that is one area that I think um, manufacturers have, uh, especially on the operations side, have uh, taken advantage of that in terms of machine health, uh, understanding in the factory, et cetera. Um, uh, although it's not widespread. Uh, I just, I guess... Sometimes it can seem, I think, to marketers that, um, uh, especially operating in these very, you know, kind of B2B manufacturing niche categories, that there's maybe the promise of AI uh, is more uh, hype than, than real. More artificial than intelligence. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Ryan, set me straight. Like, <laughs> do, I, do I have that wrong? Well, um, I think I think people put the term AI on just like on so much on so much stuff. Um, you know, for example, we'll, we'll take something which is like marketing automation technology, and we'll call it AI. And realistically, like how much AI is being built into automating, I don't know, emails or something like that is is pretty minimal. Um, but there's some actually some pretty cool stuff out there. Like for example, this year I adopted. Uh, uh, some natural language processing technology that helps um, write my marketing content. Um, I, I use a, a tool. This is, you know, I don't, I don't get anything from this plug, I guess. Uh, copy.ai is what I've used. And, you know, you can use that to write, write marketing copy. Uh, but that's interesting to me. Um, areas where you're actually getting some type of of benefit from it, like for example, with that copy.ai stuff, um, you can actually get much more keyword enriched uh, content. You can drive uh, additional insights that you just aren't going to think about, um, and you can automate it with that process. Um, I also like the idea of using AI and machine learning. The place where I don't think most marketers are using it is is taking their uh, their campaign information um, and using machine learning in a way where we can try to drive insights about, for example, um, when I'm trying to get this type of conversion, what in this region, uh, what is the most efficient use of my advertising dollars? We're doing that for an HR uh, recruiting firm right now um, where their whole thing is. Um, their demand is way outpacing the available supply in the market. They're doing something where they're, it's called RPO and in and, 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 and RPO, you're hiring high volume for retail, manufacturing, places like this. And so it's a very, very competitive field right now. So they have a lot of great data that they've captured in their, uh, let's call it a CRM over the years. They also have a lot of great data in places like, for example, Indeed, well, most, most marketers were not taking 
all of this data, you know, what does Indeed say here? We're looking at things like cost per click. We're looking at things like, um, you know, cost per application in, in this situation. And we're driving entire campaigns based on some of these in, insights, conversion rates, click, click rates, so on and so forth. Well, we can go significantly deeper with machine learning where we can drive insights about what's the most likely um, uh, what's what's the most likely result um, if I use my dollars this way or that way? And so what we can do is we can become significantly more efficient. Um, when when a marketing team, some of the marketers are listening, are very well connected with the sales team. They might even be managing the CRM tool. Um, you know, if you can go into your CRM tool and understand the sales funnel uh, better, you might be able to go in right now and I would imagine there's a lot of people listening that they, they couldn't do something simple like try to figure out where the friction points are in their sales funnel. Okay, so first you need to be able to do that. You know, where, where what's taking too long, what, what needs to be improved, you know, those types of things, that's easy. But when you wanna get into an actual insight, like, hey, if we improve this part of the sales funnel process by X percent, it increases our likelihood of conversion by Y percent. And when you get to that level of insight, now as a marketer, you can focus in on things that matter. So let's say, for example, um, maybe we're finding that, maybe, maybe when you dig into the data, you find that uh, a specific region is responding poorly to the way um, a specific proposal is being presented, for example. But you can see in other regions, it's it's being responded to differently. Well, maybe that has to do with the way the person is handling it. Maybe that has to do with that region and how, you know, just kind of culture differences. Um, and how can I take that information? And maybe, you know, it, it could be as simple as, hey, um, if we attached a $25 gift card, I don't know, I'm just making something up. If we attached a $25 gift card to this region, when people get to this stage of the funnel, it's going to increase not only the uh, the success of that part of the funnel, but it's also going to increase uh, the conversion rate uh, significantly. So that's that kind of stuff. Um, I think marketers have have a high level statistical understanding. You know, good marketers have a high level statistical understanding of their spend, of their sales efficiency, things like this. But diving in deeper in a way when you have a lot of data in a way that only machine learning can do, that's that's where we're missing it in sales and marketing. I thank you for that and proving me wrong on uh... <laughs> 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 oh, no, it's true. I think it, uh, it's a, it's a it was fantastic insight and I think it gets people kind of uh, gets the cogs turning, you know. I'm, I'm curious because of course, as you come into an organization, and begin to uh, help them, uh, you know, attack these challenges. I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, given uh, a bit of the knowledge differential that you would have coming in, um, that there's some stuff that you can pretty much kind of know that you're going to find. Like almost before you start looking, you know, you're going to find it. I'm curious, what have been the biggest surprises in your work thus far? What have What have you encountered where you're like, I had, I, I just didn't see that coming. So from a highest, the highest level. Um, obviously I can't, I can't say any specific names, but Understood. from the highest level, you guys remember, you know, growing up, you watch these like hero movies 
and and you watch you know what i don't know whatever the government was doing or what these special ops or or, or these heroes are doing and you're like oh my gosh you know or you look at these businesses and you're like you know oh my gosh they're amazing like i can't even fathom how advanced and and just amazing they are um and then you get into the real world and you start like noodling around a little bit and you realize like <laughs> everyone is everyone is really behind almost almost uh across the board when it comes to just adopting um pretty simple technologies um you know i i always like to go back to the example of one of my friends started a really cool tech company uh that uh he took to google and, and google was an early investor in and when he sat down and he talked with the, the folks at Google, um, they said, they said, um, you know, man, we really need this because we are doing a crap job of utilizing our data. You know, at Google, Google is using a doing a crap job, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, and I have an, another example uh, in the automotive industry, a large automotive OEM where where we, you know, sat down with them and you know, hey, we're using 30 people here where where really machine learning could could basically automate automate all of that. And so, um, I mean, I have I have examples of sitting down with large companies and uh, they don't have any visibility right now into their supply chain. I mean, that's that's probably been a, if you want a very specific example, uh, unfortunately, it's outside of sales and marketing, I, I would say that's you know, because realistically, like marketers for the most part are pretty data driven, at least you should be if, if you're not. Uh, it's almost impossible to be a digital marketer and not be data driven. And so my biggest surprise has not been in the marketing area. It's been in everywhere else operationally, just just the lack of visibility and understanding of of, of what's going on, when our materials are going to arrive, um, you know, how much it costs to make things, you know, insights into that stuff it's it's lacking almost across the board at every company i, I meet with i i you know there's something uh, a bit um liberating for for the listeners to <laughs> at least well when you say everybody thinks they're behind or everybody's behind well yeah everybody can't be behind <laughs> you, you know or, or or maybe just the definition of what is ahead maybe needs to be a bit recalibrated yeah and folks maybe uh, ought to feel uh, not as intimidated about getting started because frankly uh, nobody has it cracked yeah yeah well if you can simplify what I've, what I've learned is that if you can simplify things uh, people hide in in complexity and so if, if you can if you can simplify things down at your company and um, once again, I know I know we're focused on marketing here in this podcast, but I, I'm just going off my own experience. I like to go outside of marketing when I was, you know, in that that role, and I like to try to help other other areas um, because at the end of the day, marketing is trying to grow and improve the, the business, and and so you should be trying to help your internal customers just as much as your external, in my opinion. But when you go and you sit down with people, and and you want to try to understand what's going on and how you can help try to bring things back. If I can make any recommendation of what's helped me try to bring things back to the lowest common denominator and, and just something as simple as, Hey, do we, do we know how much that actually costs to make, make that thing right there? <laughs> could, could we tell, could, could you tell me how much that costs? You know, that's, that's a good place to start or, Hey, those materials, do, you know, do we have visibility into you know we're relying on those materials being here do we know how much 
do we know how much uh, material we have available and and when it's going to arrive and 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 are, you know what what are we counting on like think about your business what are you counting on and try to kind of work from the lowest common denominator up um, and what you'll probably find is is if 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 the person allows you to have a good conversation and not get too deep into the weeds because the weeds is where they'll lose you um, you'll end up learning and finding opportunities to improve the business I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, way to cap off this episode, I think. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us today. It's been great to have you on the show again. Yeah, and all the thank best with uh, Bridge Digital, too. hope it goes really well. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it was, it was great talking to you. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash thecoolerring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring. 